Some people want to tell you how you should live, what you should accept, what you should be a part of, and what you should teach your kids. It's harder being a free-thinking person. It's harder making the right decisions or coming to your own moral foundation. It's hard. One in a million, a million, the one villain. Too hot to be in the kitchen. I'll end up melting the ceiling. This is the news. We deal in facts. And what I'm about to tell you is a fact. I'm joined by one of our favorite guests. The acclaimed astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson has spent what up, David? decades exploring the mysteries of our universe and also explaining them in ways that we can understand. Now he's turned his attention to some of the problems in one planet on the universe, inside the universe, Earth. The new book, Starry Messenger, urges us to really think critically and objectively about what we're up to and whether we can keep this planet we have here. He writes, we sow hatred of others fueled by what we think is true or what we want to be true without regard to what is true. We've lost all sight of what distinguishes facts from opinions. We lob grenades at one each other, at it, one another, and we could be sharing beers in pubs. All right, now that's a quote from the book, Starry Messenger, right? Look, there's... For people who don't know, right, I've been a big fan of Neil deGrasse Tyson. Not like, not on his political views, but mostly about his image as a person, him trying to like advance science and get people interested, right? I've been a big fan of him. I like his style. I like some of the shows he's done. Neil deGrasse Tyson, to me, is a very, very uh, positive figure when it comes to science. Uh, some people would disagree, but that's my take on it. And I've, I'm always a big fan of Neil deGrasse Tyson. I've, I've criticized him in the past, but... You can be a fan of somebody and disagree with them about certain things, right? Now, I think he's absolutely right. There are certain things that we have decided to take sides on in, the, in America to where it's divided us so much that we can't sit down and have a beer together. And I think that, that's something to be noteworthy and mentionable. I really do think that they probably, like, clickbaited this video to make Neil deGrasse Tyson seem like somebody who's, like, taking a political stance against a certain side. But we'll, we'll see. Neil is here. Shout out to drinking together and finding facts. Great to see you. Thanks. Actually, I lean towards wine, but but beer is... You wrote is, beer. Yeah, I did write beer. I totally wrote beer there. Uh, we know you for so many things, but you're clearly taking the scientific rigor that people love about you and I think sometimes learn from you mm -hmm. and applying it to some, some really big topics. Why this now? What do you want us to think about? Uh, this book has been gestating within me mm. for decades. Just uh, I, I love the way Neil talk though. You get you can't you can't hate on that. <laughs> the voice, <laughs> Justin. In fact, I can remember my first thoughts when I was scientifically literate, early middle school. I'd look around and I'd see adults saying things, making decisions, commenting, holding opinions. It was like, what? Wait, where, where did that come from? <laughs> Have you thought about it this way? Do you understand the data, the statistics? And and it's been gestating within me. And then the the book was birthed whole <laughs> it was, wow. and I realized all of these parts of society could benefit from a dose of a cosmic perspective just what does that look like from above mm. but also an infusion of science literacy and critical thinking in a way where your argument that you thought you held firmly and you thought you were opposite the person you were fighting with in fact from another perch you could learn that you both actually agree more than you disagree, or you're both equally wrong and you realize it together, <laughs> okay? Either of those are, are progress in any kind of, uh, between any warring factions in modern society. Yeah. Uh, okay, so 
Neil deGrasse Tyson is taking a very, very uh, critical risk here when he's trying to use science as a way of like interjecting into the political atmosphere. And the reason that he's doing that is because he probably feels as if it's important to try to like get certain facts straight, right? Let's say we all know the facts. This is this is a part that I'm torn about when it comes to science being involved in politics. One could argue that you can't really make good legislation and good policy without knowing the facts of a case. That could be true to a certain extent, but you could know the facts of something and decide to still make legislation that runs opposite to that. Because legislation and laws and culture is not determined by, uh, determined by scientific fact. What is determined by is how people feel, what people's values are, what makes you emotional, what do you care about personally, and what are you trying to protect? That is what politics is the art of persuasion. And politicians' job is to persuade you to their side one way or the other. Science deals with an objective sense of trying to make sense of the world and why it is the way it is and try to explain what's happening and what's taking place. Well, we can do that with science, but many people argue philosophically that you can never get an ought from an is. Just because something is some way doesn't mean it ought to be a certain way. So while I understand the importance and the critical need for scientific inquiry and and looking to scientific data to inform us about the way the world is, it doesn't necessarily translate on what we should value as a society and what is our intended outcome and what are we trying to achieve. And I think that's one of the biggest problems that science has run into as it become more and more politicized because every single faction is trying to take science and willed it in their, on their behalf to reach a certain outcome. Okay, well, we've learned that people can skew data. People can have different motives. People can read data a certain way and interpret it a certain way. And you end up with separate different outcomes based on what you're trying to achieve or accomplish. People will overlook something or only pay attention to certain things in order to feed their bias. Because it's not really about science at the end of the day. It's about what, what it is that I'm trying to accomplish and what supports me in getting that accomplished. Yeah, you mentioned the faction. Some of the Sorry that took so long, but <laughs> this goes back a long way. People debating what is God? Who's got the right belief system? I mean, we that's old school stuff, right? Yeah, that is. However, this country, the United States, um, was quite the fascinating experiment in that regard. It's whatever is your personal truth, uh, it's welcomed. Uh, but you can't tell someone else, you can't require someone else have your personal truth. And that gave religion freedom to express itself in all stripes and all varieties in this country. That's remarkable. See, here's the thing, right? I agree fundamentally with what he just said. Freedom, the idea of freedom and liberty is supposed to instill this idea within us as American citizens, it's supposed to like inspire us to be tolerant of other people's views and other people's ideas and belief systems or whatever without imposing it on anybody else, right? Fundamentally, I agree. But we're, we're, we're faced in a society where a lot of people will pretend as if the other side is the one trying to force down their ideology on us and we're just the victims or we're somehow having to fight back against it, right? Both sides are doing this. 
I don't care where you stand and say, well, one side is worse. Yeah, it's worse because what you value and what you want to accomplish is different than what they value and what they want to accomplish. So, of course, to you, it's worse. But to them, they feel like what you're trying to push in society and, and force other people to abide by is worse. And we're just going to have to agree to disagree. Fair. But this is not political. Like, this right here about tolerate like being tolerant of other people's views and their rights to believe in what they believe in as long as they're not forcing on anybody else it shouldn't be political everybody should agree with that at the base minimum like at the base minimum that means you don't have a right to tell my kids what to believe some people want to violate that rule some people want to tell you how you should live what you should accept what you should be a part of and what you should teach your kids some people on the other hand they want to teach your kids certain other things that go counteractive to what you believe. So we all, it's like a tug of war between the two political factions and some factions on the outside of those political factions who are the loudest, who are the smallest minorities, who are really controlling the conversation. And they're the ones in this tug of war and it's forcing everybody in the middle to like literally be shoved from one side to the other. And so, but that's a particular kind of truth in the chapter Truth and Beauty. I, I, I go into this in great detail, but I, I, I have to split the word truth into three parts because there are many people who, especially religions, they really attach themselves to the word truth, and I don't want to take that away from them. So there's a personal truth. Is Jesus your savior? Is, is, is Abraham your, you know, in your, in your lineage? Is, is Muhammad your, your last savior? Is ancest, are your ancestors watching you? These are, these are cherished beliefs. And it works, provided. I think that one thing, one mistake that I think Neil deGrasse Tyson is making here is from the outside looking in, you believe that that person has a personal truth. I think most people who are religious would characterize it as being the truth. Um, I'm not saying everybody, but for the most part, most religious people don't consider it to be my personal truth. Most religious people consider what they believe to be the truth, the truth. And it's true for everybody. And I think that having this conversation, you should keep in mind of what people actually perceive and how they actually think to try to address it based on their worldview instead of, well, I think it's their personal belief. So I'm going to treat it as their personal belief when I try to address this argument. And I don't know how far it gets us, but I think that the moment religious people hear this, they automatically kind of tune out because they really believe that it is the truth, and he's dismissing that. That's how they feel. That if you have that belief, you don't then rise to power over laws and legislation mm. and have those laws and legislation force others into that same belief system. So the pluralistic feature of this country, I think, is something that agree, can and should be cherished. So how does science distinguish? Oh, wait, slip in a political truth. You know what that is? What's that? It's what becomes true simply because it got repeated so many times. <laughs> Our brain has this has this failure mode. Well, we think it's a success mode where you hear something so many times, your brain says, must be true. Well, yeah, rep repetition <laughs> is a big part of it's, campaign. It's the foundation of all of all um I think we call that brainwashing in a certain sense. It's like when a, a group of people decide that something is true or that they want to enforce it as truth. If they repeat it enough and you swallow it enough, they brainwash you. So it's, it's basically 
like shaping your mind to accept a certain fact, even though you don't necessarily know it to be the actual case. Uh, um, what did Hitler do with the, um, what's the term there? Where you believe this and I'm going to print this and it's not propaganda. Probably. Thank you. Sure. <laughs> Thank you. Like, Thank you for helping you me. You guys, the question is, you asked me the question, what did Hitler do? And I was like, well, <laughs> a lot, a lot, a lot. A lot. Well, he probably didn't get timed out. It's probably uh, I got a bot in the in the chat, so uh, maybe he said something or whatever. It put him in a timeout. Uh, apologies, David. I don't know what you said. Which <laughs> thing? A lot. So so repetition is a, is a foundation of propaganda. But the scientific truth is what you establish to be true through experiment, observations, repeated, right. verified. And when that is done, it is true whether or not you believe in it. And if you're gonna base laws and right. on, on, on something that has to apply to everybody, it seems to me the objective truth should be your primary motive. So here's the problem with like, we have this, uh, I, I wanna, I, I don't wanna call it utopian, but it, there, there is this, uh, uh, imagination that we have with the law applying equally to everybody. I don't think that laws are inherently meant to apply to everyone. I think society runs into problems that are causing problems for specific groups of people. And somebody decides to rise up and fight for that cause. And they want to make a law that protects or provides some kind of benefit to a certain group of people. And then other people by proxy either have to live under it or have to, you know, deal with it. But I don't think most people who make laws or the way we actually behave in society is, is we don't go in it with the intentions of trying to make something apply to everyone. We're, what we're in turn doing is trying to fix a certain problem that certain groups in society are complaining about or want fixed. And it's just when you live in a country with other people, then it does have effects. So, to be gracious, well, I think Neil deGrasse Tyson, in, in the way that I would have put it, and look, to each his own, but I would have said that to understand that when you make laws that may benefit some group of people, understand that that law has impacts on other groups of people, and you have to take that in consideration when making laws. So you say objective truth just then. Uh, let me read from you on objective truth in the book. Objective truths of science are not found in belief systems. They're not established by the authority of leaders or the power of persuasion, nor are they learned from repetition or gleaned from magical thinking. To deny objective truths is to be scientifically illiterate, not to be ideologically principled. Explain that important. That's one of my split. best sentences in the book. Yeah. All right. Here, here's one of the. All right. So, like, like I said, I'm a big fan of Neil deGrasse Tyson. I like, look, if you like him, you like him. If you don't, you don't. Right. But. One of the problems that I have with that quote, right? And, and I think it's a good quote, but I think oftentimes we're blinded by our specialty or our field of vision, right? So we see things through the lens that we best understand or are familiar with, right? And you can't fault anybody for that. But the problem with that sentence is simple, right? When we say objective truth, what we're talking about is something that is true regardless of who is the observer, regardless of your personal bias or your opinion. But yet, even scientists would argue that we can't even objectively prove that we're not in a simulation. 
we can't objectively prove that our our reality is what it is because our brains have filters our what we see and how we perceive life is filtered through thousands of thousands of years of evolution or one could argue it's just inherent biases that we all hold right so I believe one philosopher said, I can't think of his name right now, so forgive me, but he said that, uh, I think so I am, right? I think, therefore, I am. And that's all that he could really prove. He couldn't prove that what he was seeing was actually there. He couldn't prove what he was tasting was actually there. What he could prove is something is happening. And that's really all we can say. But to say objective truth, you would have to argue that objective truth, the right way that I would define objective truth, and some people may disagree, but the right way that I would define objective truth is as true as we can get. Like, we're getting as close as we possibly can, given the reality in which we seem to inhabit. We could be wrong. But ultimately, all we have is what we have. And we have to make our decisions and base our worldview on what we perceive to be real. But we can never objectively prove what we're experiencing is real. Now, I kind of just... Went a little deep philosophically there. Bring it back. Let's get back to what Neil is saying. I'm finding that. Well, we you found, found it. We found, found it. it. But <laughs> explain that split because you do something that I think is very important. What's up, Hurricane? That sometimes. Uh, y'all welcome. Make sure y'all, yeah, let me know y'all in the building. Uh, what's up, Desiccated? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Tyson, I have heard, never went through school. I don't know how true that is, but I think he's pretty interesting to listen to. No, he went to school. Uh, he went to a lot of school. He went to college and everything, university and all that. He's a he's a trained uh, uh, physicist. He's a, uh, I think he's a uh, astrophysicist. Yeah. Belief and ideology, especially the way we're tribally organized, which you also write about, becomes its own test if you're down with this goal you got to be down with this other stuff keep in mind that the name of this video is called see maga era science lies roasted and debunked by neil degrasse tyson that is the name of this title and not only is that the name of the title this was actually posted by msnbc themselves not some third party who went and downloaded their video and put it up here they posted this themselves. And we could be getting there. This is a 16-minute video, so y'all bear with me. And then before you know it, that means being down with things that at one point you might have known were questionable or <laughs> not true, and now you glom onto them. Walk, it's a portfolio, us, a yeah. portfolio of beliefs. Walk us through that. Well, no, because science, one of the things it does best is unpack things that are otherwise glued together that you think all have to all have to roll in one in in, in, in one coherent shape you, you unpack it and say no this works but that doesn't no i'm not going to ride with that because the, you've attached it to this but i'm not going to go with you on that because i'm thinking about this what happens is we like following leaders and true. and they, we let them do our thinking for us true that's why i always say that like i'm nobody's hero i'm nobody leader right i feel like the best thing you could do is to empower other people to be their own leaders in their lives. And because the, the, the problem is when we decide to follow leaders and we decide to look up to heroes is the problem is either one, they can let you down or they can be deceiving you. And the second thing is um, you 
they can lead you to some very dark places. And when you put your hope in somebody because they're your hero, because they're your leader, you're 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 pawning off your thoughts to them and you're allowing them to speak for you and to think for you so that you don't have to do those things yourself. It's harder being a free thinking person. It's harder making the right decisions or coming to your own moral foundation. It's hard. And so we look to other people to give us a foundation. And to be fair, most people don't have enough time and don't have the 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 the, the thought process to go through all of that. Most people are trying to survive. Most people are trying to work a job, provide for their kids, you know, keep the bills paid. Like most people don't have time to think about their whole worldview and determine every single aspect of their life and why they believe what they believe. So in a sense, we're constantly pawning off certain things or taking certain things for granted in order to function through society without breaking down. Uh, but if you got to have a leader, if you got to have a hero, my guess is be very, very careful. Be very, very careful on who you choose to be your leader and who you choose to follow. That's the bare minimum that I could at least say for anyone. I want to give a huge thanks to ExpressVPN for sponsoring this video. See, if you're anything like me and you care about your privacy, your security, and your data, then you definitely need to be using ExpressVPN. I'm not just saying that. I care about my viewers and I care about myself, which is why I use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is available on all your devices, phones, computers, even your smart TVs. So it's really no excuse why you shouldn't be using it. On top of that, if you watch different streaming services like Netflix, then ExpressVPN will allow you to have up to 94 different IP addresses in different countries, which will give you access to shows that you don't even have available in your own country. So why not give it a try? Protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by CNET. Visit my exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash Javier, and you can get three extra months free on a one-year package. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S vpn.com slash javier expressvpn.com slash javier to learn more and i can't embrace that no that wouldn't seem like you're i can't <laughs> i don't mind leaders but that doesn't even have to agree with everything the leader says okay and so um what it, what it, all it means is if you pose an argument there might be holes in that argument and you and you need to be a little bit open to that and I don't mean holes that I'm right and you're wrong. It could be a hole that, well, we're both wrong. And here's a new place we can agree on. And that's when you go out and have a beer. There's an unwritten uh, uh, ethos between two scientists in an argument. And that unwritten ethos is uh, either I'm right and you're wrong, or you're right and I'm wrong, or we're both wrong. Mm. We know that in advance. So we're not fighting to the death. You fight to the point. We that is interesting, right? If you got two people with two opposing views and they're complete opposite of one another, both can't be right. We know that for a fact. Both can't not be right. One person could be wrong. The other person could be right. Or both could be wrong, but both can't be right. Right. That's simply what he's explaining. So the question is, right, we live in a society where everybody who disagrees with the other person claims to have the right way. Okay. I would argue that sometimes the right way just don't exist and we just have to figure it out or we just have to go at our best bet. But there are certain things that I guess there has to be a right answer to. So the question is, if we don't know what the right answer is, should we be humble enough to at least extend that gracious offer to the person that we disagree with?
that and okay, I get why people are so passionate about certain things because if you really genuinely feel like everything makes sense to you and everything is right and these other people are just so wrong, I can see why people get upset, right? It, it makes sense. But I always say on my channel, right? I always take the time to say I could be wrong. And I, I, I only respect people who are willing to say they could be wrong. I don't like watching content creators or people who are like steadfast on like they know what's right for everybody. And they just, if you just listen to them, then you'll have all the answers. Like, I don't try to listen to content creators like that. I like people who like, hey, I'm going to put forth my best effort here. But at the end of the day, if I find out that I'm wrong about something, I'll admit it. You know, you say, you know, this extra bit of data will help decide which of these worldviews is correct. And can I join you in that? I'm guessing that with scientists, if they acknowledge that error rates exist and vary, but virtually no humans or systems have 100% accuracy, sooner or later, they will be on the wrong side of an empirical debate. Well, so, I mean, you have to understand how science works. And that's not taught in school. Hmm. It's taught, you know how it's taught in school? Here's a book, and the, and the vocabulary words are in boldface in the chapter. Right. Memorize those, and you test it, and then you move on. You know what? If school was like a scientific method, I think most people would get out of school pretty dumb. Like, the reason we have school is to, like, prepare people for the real world. Like, to make sure that you're worthy enough to get a job. Like to work at McDonald's or like to get, you know, you know, get an entry level job somewhere and work your way up from there. If most people in school had to literally like make their way through school trying to learn a scientific method, they would be literally like repeating so many things that we've already learned. And learning the scientific method teaches you nothing about money. It teaches you nothing about like work ethic. It teaches you nothing about how to pay bills. It teaches you nothing about how to work a job. It doesn't, it doesn't do that for you. Um, but like it would be nice if more people had like some kind of understanding of how the scientific method actually works and what's good science versus bad science or like what's what's actually been peer reviewed and like stood the test of time. And they try to teach you that in school for the most part, but it's never going to be as extensive enough to make the average citizen like really, really like up on their game when it comes to science. So oftentimes when people get angry with other people for not being scientifically literate, I think that the problem is not with people. The problem is with that person's expectations. They're trying to expect people to be something they were never, A, taught to be, and B, it takes so much time and effort to become that. It, it, it would only make sense that most people are not going to go down that path. And if most people did, we wouldn't have a productive society for the most part because there are other jobs and other things out there that needs to get done. Where is Where do you learn what science is and how and why it works and why you can trust it? and what it means to trust it. What do you have to do to get to the point where you can believe what the scientist says and not the person who wishfully mm -hmm. thinks something is different? So I have a big question for you because you, you tackle ethics and there are different competing systems of ethics. Historically on earth, many of them have involved some appeal to a higher power. Yes. This power or this God. Yeah, uh, that, uh, uh, David, you bring up the point that uh, people got really upset over COVID because uh, a lot of people died unnecessarily. Uh, scientific method is invaluable. Um, like, based on what I was saying earlier, it was like, um, we, when people make the argument that they, they didn't elect scientists to make their laws and their rules, right? We, we elect politicians or leaders to do those things and delegate those powers. And I would argue, if you want a scientific approach on how we approach most things in society, 
I think we should elect scientists. The only the only difference is most scientists don't want a job, and that's not what scientists are good at. Scientists want to be scientists, right? Rightfully so. Um, so we put our faith in the hands of these leaders, right? And leaders make the wrong decisions, even though it might go contrary to science. Okay. Um, there were a lot of mistakes made throughout the whole process. I think a lot of mistakes were made on it's so much blame to go around when it came to the whole COVID situation. Um, but I'm not getting into the whole COVID situation because ultimately there are people out there who are still debating this. And like, I just, I don't feel it's productive. I, I'm just going to keep away from that. <laughs> Cause we can go down a lot of roads. We can go down a lot of roads on that. Trust the science, not the scientists. I agree with that. I had a hobby up to my Mexican music list. <laughs> so you come in, you come in the building, Anthony, with that, with that nonsense. <laughs> now we're about to get into it. <laughs> Creates this ethics. Are there ethics in the non-human rest of the galaxy? I don't know. Um, you know, ethical ethics as well as just sort of morality. I can tell you this, whatever ethics or morality we agree to have as society progresses, and by the way, the ethos of today was not the same as 50 years ago or 100 years ago. You know, there would have been another day when I was would have been a slave, okay? Yeah. And so the ethics and morality evolves, and it evolves according to sort of rational discourse about what is right and what is wrong. Are there permanent ethics on Earth, do you think? Can you point to any that are permanent? I don't know what's permanent, but I do know that if you think something is permanent, that's usually not a good sign. <laughs> yeah, uh, like it or not, I don't care if you're a Christian, Muslim, I don't care if you're atheist, it doesn't really matter when it comes to this. One fact about it that we know for sure, as time changes and progresses and goes into the future, People change their ideas and their mindset about what's ethically right and what's wrong. Now, you can make the argument that there are some things that are universally true and for all time, regardless if that's the case or not. What we do know is humans change that over time. Humans feel differently about moral ethics over time. Even in a Christian sense, Christians uh, a thousand years ago, may have a totally different view when it came to certain morality versus Christians now. There were Christians during slavery who thought that slavery was definitely perfectly justified. And at the same time, there were other Christians who thought it wasn't. Regardless if it was inherently or objectively wrong, we see that humans still have the ability to determine what they feel is right and what they feel is wrong. And you can't argue against that fact. Because you attach to it. And then as the world moves on, you could have a different outlook on that. I'm old enough. Y'all do me a favor, hit that like button. Don't forget to hit that like button. Enough to remember the Sunday newspaper had a section called the women's section. Hmm. That, that was like sort of ethically the right thing. Because what do women do? They are at home. And in that section were <laughs> recipes and coupons hmm. and all the things women did at home. And nobody nobody critiques that for decades. Right. <laughs> and fi finally we get into the 1970s and the moving frontier of the, the second wave women's lib movement and all that changed, but it took that long to do it. I like to imagine sometimes, like if you take some of your uh, popular like uh, figures in society and just like turn them into like something else. Like imagine what Neil deGrasse Tyson would be like if he was like a MAGA Trump supporting guy. <laughs> 
imagine how he would talk and what he would be saying, his arguments and how he would say it. I don't know, just a little fun thought experiment that crossed my mind. It'll be funny. And you can take other people like uh, Ben Shapiro, turn him into like a, 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 a social justice warrior and see how he would look and how he would behave. Just a funny thing to think about. Or Tucker Carlson or somebody that sort can wave women's lib movement and all that changed, but it took that long to do it. You needed an entire civil rights movement to happen first, and then it would say, Well, how about the women? And that so so i I will not accept something as eternally true, given that we continue to mature in this world. And this 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 treatise is an attempt to show you how your most cherished feelings, maybe there's holes in them. Mm. But you kind of have to be open to that a little. And I try to be playful in ways, you know, just so that you're not thinking this. I'm, I'm not this. I'm not lecturing at you here. And the book is not even very long. It's 200 pages. It's not even very big. So it's it's there for you to taste. And <laughs> so before I lose you, because facts, David, Dave says uh, people are also hypocrites usually. So they rail against slavery, but wear Tim shoes or something else Chinese made. Facts. Facts. That's something I brought up in the past. It's like we are all participants in oppression. Like we are all like benefactors of oppression. And a lot of people just, they can only see what's in front of them, right? I'm not mad at them for seeing what's in front of them. That's human nature. But like to take this moral high road that you're somehow better than everybody else because you got the right ethics, but yet you participate in a lot of behaviors that may cause the oppression or destruction of somebody else. And you don't even know it or don't care to know it, or you know it and you just don't care to act differently you know i want to jump around to the book i was no, just oh, please up. please i'm doing too much talking here Go. no you're here to talk uh you <laughs> then turn to physiology why is oh. why is that important oh. to you that we explore our understanding of that oh my gosh because in the in the body and mind chapter think about it um we judge what uh -oh. is normal and what is not mm. and what does that even mean is normal just the average is a normal person do we compare, the, you know, you have model homes. Is there a model person <laughs> that has all their working faculties and then you compare yourself to that and if you're not that, you're not normal? Are you disabled if they can do something and you can't? Right. Is that how we're going to, is that how you want to do this? Because if that's the case, I give examples, okay? Um, the New York Yankees, okay? Jim Abbott was a pitcher for the New York Yankees. He threw a no-hitter for the New York Yankees. Oh, by the way, he only has one hand, okay? He has... Fire. How do you do this, right? That's pretty great. All right, look. This is what Neil deGrasse Tyson is getting into right now. It's the perception of how we view other people in society and why we choose to label people, what we label them. Why we choose to think somebody is different or not normal, right? That's all good and fun until you start getting to the fact of, okay, so should we get rid of like disability rights? Should we not have to accommodate people with certain disabilities? Like, I mean, of course you would. Of course you want to protect people with disabilities and you want to treat them differently than you would somebody who has all of their physical fact faculties, which what we would say the common person has. So it's like... <sighs> I'm not going to say they're not normal, but you would say that they suffer or they, they deal with something unique, which the average person does not. And we tend to call that either uh, disabled or different or deformed, however you want to you know, label it. 
but we understand in society that there are going to be people outside of the scope of what we consider to be in the average or normal range. And I get why he's heading or why he's treading this water. And I, I ultimately think it's about like the whole trans identity. I could be wrong, but I, I don't know. Right. Okay. And um, there's another person who's a champion archer. Okay. A champion archer can shoot arrows both better than nearly everyone on earth. He was born without arms. Am I going to say that he's disabled because I have arms and he doesn't? No, I'm not going to do that. You can't make <laughs> me do that because we're all who we are and you you, you work with the hand. Are, are you disabled because you can't do math? Okay. Is that how we're going to think about how it? Did you know way? I was bad at math? <laughs> you had a feeling. I had, you just knew it. You, looked, you, you look like you're bad at math. If I can't draw, am I disabled because I'm not an artist? I... Look, I admire what Neil deGrasse Tyson is doing. Like, I, I think what he's trying to do is create the mentality in people that you shouldn't mistreat people or treat people differently because they're not like you or like what you consider to be normal. And I don't think that was necessarily most people's problem. I think that, but I think this is where you get into the murky water of when people start to like, call your bluff or people stop to take people stop taking you seriously because it's like yeah we know that you're trying to make people better or at least behave differently or see the world differently but some things is like come on dude like we gotta think here like some people don't have the same capabilities as other people now if you don't want to call it disabled you don't have to call it disabled you can call it whatever you want to call it but as we observe, we have to understand that there's some people who just have more challenges than other people in different areas. But yeah, there is no one factory model. There is no like standard model. Like what length of hair is normal? What color eyes is normal? Like, of course you can go down that list, but there is a, a spectrum or some kind of sphere of what people mean, what they're describing when they say average. And if you fall outside of that, then we have a different word for you. Now, if you don't like the word, we can change that word because it's really arbitrary. But to pretend as if there isn't something different going on there that we should take note of, I think I wouldn't have done this if I was Neil deGrasse Tyson. I, I just think that may, maybe there's more to it, but I just, I, I'm not following him there intellectually, but as a human being who wants to see decency in the world, I can 100% follow him there. Uh, so there's a whole analysis of how we define what is normal and what is not. And the reason why an astrophysicist is telling you about this is because we have the entire universe that we classify. If there's a star, mm -hmm. is it odd? Is, right. it, is, is it average? Is it this? How do we lay them out? How so do that we goes, think about them? That goes to the final question. Yes. We are living in a time of unparalleled technological advancement, and yet we're saddled by all of this misinformation and stupidity. We're seeing more of the galaxy, I believe, tell me if I'm wrong, than we've ever seen in previous generations. You write, ranked by distance, sight is very important. The farthest thing visible to the human eye is a twin of our own Milky Way, the Andromeda, <laughs> Andromeda, the Andromeda. See, I knew I'd need help. The Andromeda Galaxy, named for the 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 woman saved by Perseus in Greek legend. Yeah, Andromeda. Well, 
There's a J. Cole song, She Don't Want to Be Saved, but that's for another okay. time. <laughs> uh, she was about to be consumed by the Kraken, so I yeah. think she, she wanted to be saved. <laughs> and you write, it sits two million light years away, far beyond the stars of the night sky. What does it do for us in English, plain English, that we have gone as a global community from seeing that far with, as you say, the naked eye, to what we're now seeing just in the last years farther through the galaxy and its own history. What can we as a people, what is someone watching the program, what do they take from that day-to-day -day life that we can now see more of the galaxy than that? All right, listen and listen well. This name of this title, and I've said it three times so far, see MAGA era, make America great again, era science, lies, roasted, and debunked by Neil deGrasse Tyson from MSNBC, a news network. They posted this on their channel, not a third party. They posted this. So far, I have yet to see Neil deGrasse Tyson go after Trump supporters or MAGA supporters. And I just, this has got to be clickbait. You can take one of the greatest of all cosmic perspectives that exist, and it's the revelation that emerged mid-20th century that the atoms of our body are traceable to the crucibles in the centers of stars <laughs> that then later exploded, scattering that enrichment into pristine gas clouds that then formed star systems with planets, one of which was the sun with Earth, so that we're not simply in the... I don't know, like, I think Neil deGrasse Tyson must have got laid like crazy when he was in college. <laughs> the man's a smooth talker now. <laughs> You got to give him that. <laughs> Imagine him explaining something to some college grad student, right? She probably eating that up. <laughs> this universe, alive, yes, the universe is alive within us. That is a gift of modern astrophysics to civilization that borders on the spiritual. Mm. So that when you stand out in the night sky and look up, do you say, oh, I'm small and the universe is big? You might say that and it'd be true. But a bigger fact than that is you are made of the same ingredients as those stars. We are not just poetically, we are literally mm. stardust mm. that achieve consciousness to contemplate the extent of the universe in which we live. And so the, 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 the greater is that moving horizon, the more of this we find that we are participant of in the great unfolding of cosmic events. Spending a little time with your mind is a joy. A joy. Uh, He's impressed. What you said. He's really impressed. Starry Messenger is in bookstores. I'm gonna have to buy that book and check it out. But uh, the name of the title just is clickbait. So I apologize, everybody. I thought that it was gonna be Neil deGrasse Tyson going hard against like Trump supporters or something, but they got me. They got me. So Neil deGrasse Tyson, everybody. Neil deGrasse Tyson. One in a million, a million, the one villain. Too hot to be in the kitchen. I'll end up melting the ceiling.